Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Miller's Game Room podcast. I'm your host Miller and we've got a uh, interesting bunch of news today to talk about. So um, please look forward to it. Uh, if you want like to support the show and what I do, please like, comment, subscribe, uh, five star ratings, etc. and so forth on your platform of choice. Uh, yeah, so um, in terms of updates, I don't have any updates to share this time around. Inside from, I'm planning a video that's more scripted, focusing on um, a certain game I've been playing, which I'll talk about at the end, because that's coming after all the news, and there's quite a bit of news today. Um, I've uh, had other things to do, so I was hoping to try to get a video out this week, but that's not happening. Well, in the case of the channel, that like, next week, by the time this goes up, so, uh, spoiler... Uh, I'm going to move on to the news. I'm going to start with some quick bits, so like just general dates and stuff, and then move on to the more longer form stuff. So um, that's a nice little thing to talk about. So sit back, get a cup of coffee or a tea or something like that, and just uh, listen to video games. Video game rambles. They're great. You should do them more. I do. You should do them too. First piece of news is an interesting one. So I don't know if anyone remembers, but... In China last year, it got its first, like, Switch exclusive, which was Rabbids Adventure Party, which was uh, quite an interesting choice for a Chinese-exclusive Switch game. And when I say Chinese-exclusive, I don't mean language-exclusive, I mean literally in the region of China, the country. And now, Chinese Switches are region-locked, because China, communist China, allegedly communist China, are basically, no, you must region-lock it to sell it here, and that's basically why it was region-locked. But now it's coming to the West as Rabbids Party of Legends, and it's coming to not just the Switch, but also the PS4, the Xbox One, and Stadia, for some reason, on the 30th of June. Um, yeah, I thought this was interesting because, I mean, well, fuck Ubisoft for all the abuse and stuff they've protected. But I just find it interesting that here we get in this game with a Western IP, now launching in the West on other platforms after so long since it came out in mainland China, which... um. Is interesting. So, yeah, there's a little interesting tidbit. Next bit is a Fairy Fencer F Reframe Chord announced for PS4, PS5, and Switch, releasing in Japan on September 9th. So, yeah, this is actually a Compilot game. So, yeah, wow. I've, I have committed an ultimate sin in talking about a Compilot game on the Miller's Game Room podcast and not laughing at it. But this is what interests me with this one. This is an, an SRPG take on Fairy Fencer F, which is one of the older games that they put out. Like, it was like their last localized PS3 game. And then there was Advent Dark Force, which I played a bit of, which I liked, actually. Uh, it was probably the best game I've played that actually used the Compiler RPG battle system, which they use in all their games, which I've not played for years, but it's pretty obvious if you look at the gameplay. For the RPGs that aren't dungeon crawlers, they use the same bloody system, so it's kind of stale. And it honestly burns me out, so I've not touched it, like, in years, and probably never again, to be honest. At least for the foreseeable future. And so, because this is a strategy RPG take, it's actually going to be featured around turn-based tactics, co-developed by Sting, which uh, have done a bunch of tactic RPGs themselves, like the Department Evan series. There are games in that series, which are strategy RPGs, which Sting made. Uh, also helped out with things like Utawarimono, the trilogy there. I think they might be helping out with Monochrome Mobius as well, which is coming up, and that's not an RPG. Well, an SRPG. So I'm interested in it, and I'm hoping it's actually good. Like I've seen the, the trailers and the screenshots and the info so far. It feels more like a 
as I said, it's more of a take on it, so it's like more kind of kind of a remake, I guess. But I mean, yeah, the fact it's coming for Switch, it will probably end up coming later this year or early 2023 because uh, Idea Factory International have been really getting on the ball with actually uh, releasing games quick soon after they come out in Japan, and uh, especially for Compile Heart, which they're for better and worse they're good at that. And Otome Games are getting back into those again, which hopefully the turnaround for those will be uh, much quicker than uh, two years, like the case of the uh, Birushana. So um, I'm interested in that. I'm hoping it turns out well, because I might actually enjoy that when it comes out. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Alright, Nintendo have added Kirby 64 The Crystal Shards. Now, by the time this video is up, it'll already be out, but it's coming out on the 20th of May. Uh, This was originally an N64 game, so it launched like a 2000, quite a late release for the N64, actually. Um, Unlike, I don't really care much about it, personally, but yippee, always more legal way to play games, even though uh, there's a little thing called emulation where you can play it more easily, and with the same features, so... uh, if you have actually bought the Switch Online Expansion Pass, you now have a slightly better package compared to what was offered before. So um, good for those who have Switch Online. Now for some uh, little bit of Bethesda news. They mentioned the delays to uh, Redfall and Starfield, which are basically the new RPGs that Bethesda are releasing ever since the Microsoft bought them out. And they've both been delayed to early 2023. They were due to launch later this year. Um, so now it means there's literally no big Xbox first party games this year. Which is um, kind of bad news for Xbox to be honest. I mean I, I read comments saying that people were saying that in the company. that I can't remember exactly where I read this but I wasn't like a YouTube creator that covered it. It was like oh they feared it was going to be the next uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Which um those who don't know, that game was a broken mess at launch, and um, I've not played it, partly because fuck CD Projekt Red, but also because it's a, um, it's just, a, it's just, it looked crap anyway, and, and then all about the problematic transphobia and stuff, and it's just, yeah, but as for these games, I've not really played Bethesda games, I kind of want to try Skyrim, and maybe other things, like, I might have a copy of Skyrim kicking around somewhere. I might not, but I, uh... Oh, God, it's hard to, like, keep track of things sometimes. But I do want to try out some Bethesda games because they're like, oh, here's this iconic RPG developer. And there's also, like, people like my mate who's like, oh, Fallout 4 is my favourite game of all time. And I might try it. Like, I'm probably not going to start with Redfall and Starfield because, well, they're going to be more than likely exclusive to Series X and PC and uh, never get a port to Switch or PS5 or other platforms. So uh, there's the huge caveat there. So it's all just about hoping they actually come out. Now for Falcom stuff. So uh, the CEO of right, Falcom uh, Condo was like, had an interview to um, celebrate the Switch release of uh, Naoto Nokuzeki, otherwise known in Japan as a uh, uh, Ad Astra, so it's like a subtitle. So like, like the PS4 version was like Kai, and now this Switch is like Ad Astra. So uh, here's the fancy tagline, even though it's the exact same thing, a port of uh, a PSP game. So I like, I was interested in this interview because it was like they're basically saying that they want to start putting the older Legend of Heroes games on the Switch as well as other titles, including games that can be released digital only on the eShop. So. 
uh, the Semitic tracks in this interview that was translated by RPG site were saying that Famitsu, so beyond the current projects, which is named Nekazeki, no one Falcon plans to continue releasing games for the Switch. That's the plan, and we've even already decided on the titles we want to release next. We can't specify exactly which ones at the current time, but we leave our fans have a lot to look forward to, so uh, that's good news. Uh, are there any plans to support the latest Trails title, which is Kuro no Kazeki, to the Switch? And it's like, in addition to Kuro no Kazeki, we're currently testing out the feasibility of porting other entries in the Trails series that aren't represented on the platform to Nintendo Switch. At the same time, fellow Eastern Degree might have further entries in the series developed for the hardware, and these discussions aren't limited to Trails, and we're also considering the possibility of releasing our other franchises for the platform. So basically what they're saying is we're looking to get in the rest of the series on Switch in terms of the Trails series and other things. That's basically what it is. And my picks would be the Trails in the Sky trilogy. That's the first one, because for those who don't know, they're quite classic RPGs and kind of big for the series, but in terms of the West, we've only really got them on PC. Like, the first game is on PSP as well, but you can only get it physically at this point, especially if you're in Europe. Like, the digital version got delisted, like, years ago, and it might still be on the US store, but probably not. And then for second chapter game is digital only in both regions, so you can only really play that if you've got a Vita on terms of portable stuff. Or a PSP, but I don't think you can actually download from the PSP anymore, so uh, that's uh, a bit of a shame. And it's nice to have these games not just like on a modern platform, but also physically too. And with things like Turn Rewind and other accessibility features, which are so important for games, like, you need that stuff. And that's why the, when Falcom actually ported like Call of Duty 1 and 2 to consoles, there is the Turn Rewind function. And that's important to have. And... The fact that there's also English versions of Call of Duty 1 and 2, which uh, are not available on the Switch, even though ports of the games do already exist in Asia, even though if it does come west, it'll probably be ported again, because I don't know if Clouded Leopard will ever actually let people use their western ports, because they did the ports for Asia, but for some reason, nice were like, oh, we had to do ours ourselves. So, rips that, I suppose. Um, but as for non-Nitrail like, stuff, so like some people talk about the East games, which are... I am inclined to agree, but I think attention should actually be put towards the games that are like mainly PC only or not available on a modern console platform, or at least not physically. So things like the Zway games, which are like kind of like weird, like hybrid, like roguelike RPGs. You can only get them in English on the PC, which uh, is fine for getting them in English, but they haven't actually like last I remember they've not didn't do particularly well because like. They're Falcom RPGs released on PC that were quite dated. And I think to release like JRPGs, you really do need to put them on consoles in the West, especially if they're like not the newest of things because then people will actually like... Collectors will buy them just because they're physical. Like that's, that's a market in itself you can tap into. And then you've got like another game like Groomin, which is one of my favourites actually. You can... I think that should get a modern port. And considering that already got a modern port on PC, like, if there's the will to do it, I could see, like, Mastiff, who, like, did it, actually ports their own PC port, which is what the port's based off, to, like, consoles, like PS4 and Switch, and then, bang, you've got that, and then, well, that's it. Get the game out, get a limited edition as well, or a limited physical run, and do a limited edition with soundtracks, because Falcom's soundtrack is absolutely fucking badass, and I love them. And loads of people love them. And if you make a lease of Falcom soundtracks, people buy them. I certainly will. Other people will fucking but make them already. 
But yeah, it takes a while to do these ports, so the fact that they're actually planning it already and uh, it's really good news. And I am uh, looking forward to talking about what these ports are on future episodes of the Miller's Gaming Podcast. Subscribe and screen the bell, by the way. And now back on to the rest of the news, which is basically Nintendo and Sony related. So uh, let's get started. Uh, Saudi Arabia has uh, been in the news again because the public investment fund has bought a 5% stake in Nintendo. So for those who don't know, Nintendo is a publicly traded company on the stock exchanges. So they were able to just come in and buy the shares and even Nintendo weren't aware of it till the announcement happened apparently where it was all confirmed. And and it's the, the public investment fund is a basically a project by... Run by the, the Saudi Arabian government, especially the Crown Prince, which is basically the, the head of the government, and also the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, uh, has basically been really pushing this change like to, to broaden out Saudi Arabia from oil and things like that. And yeah, it's um it's interesting from the perspective of from a geopolitical perspective, because like geopolitics is kind of one of my interests, so I can kind of see from Saudi Arabia's perspective their wish to broaden out like that away from oil and towards these things boost tourism and stuff like that and have these stakes but it's bad because Saudi Arabia is absolutely notorious for human rights violations they have the death penalty stoning it's illegal to be transgender there uh it's also like LGBT community in general have like next to no rights uh it's very sexist very repressive deeply rooted in misogyny uh, very radical uh, authoritarian government with forms with very strict interpretations of Islam, which is not representative of Muslims as a whole, by the way. Just so any uh, racist Islamophobic pricks are listening to this, you can fuck off. Um, and that's uh, just a lot of crap, and it's not nice to put it nicely. And yet, the public investment fund has managed to successfully invest in gaming companies. I think it's because the actual like, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia himself is actually a very, like, very enthusiastic gamer. And I mean enthusiastic, like, his Steam page has got, like, he is, like, level, like, massively high level on Steam. You you could, like, you can find his profile online if you know what the URL is. I've seen it myself, I forgot his name, but you can actually find his profile on Steam. Like, that's, that that's basically how much of a gamer is. You see all his page covered in weeb shit, and it's like, Wow. So I kind of get the passion there, but also it's still bad. Like, they invested in lines of, like, Capcom, Nexon, Activision Blizzard, which, uh, fortunately will come to an end once Microsoft buys them, because, yeah, yikes. Oh, God. And even he has his own personal subsidiary, like, game development company or something, and now fully owns SNK at 96%, so uh, SNK is now property of the Saudi Arabian government, which is pretty fucked, to be honest. If there's one small comfort in that news is that SNK have an IP called Doki Doki Majo Shinpan, which is a fan service IP, which is quite weird. But also, the Prince of Saudi Arabia, a deeply misogynistic country, now owns Doki Doki Majo Shinpan. So uh, that's going to be a very awkward skeleton in uh, his closet, which uh, he's not going to get rid of unless they're like, sell this IP now, which um, I don't think they will do. It will just be like... Yeah, my country's misogynistic, let's just... And it's this IP that's directly like, I don't want to talk about that. It's just weird. But yeah, ew. <laughs> yeah, these are fucking Christ, Saudi Arabia. Oh god, terrible. And there's no example of capitalism where this shit's allowed. 
it's encouraged by the system. So it's very difficult to be like ethical in video games without resorting to not buying games anymore and often to go second hand, which uh, is generally what you have to do to kind of like stop like funding these awful investors. And I'm not really sure if there's any other people equally as bad who own Nintendo or other companies. I mean, I'm sure there are, but I don't know specifically the names aside from like Saudi Arabia. So, um, or maybe like some of the Chinese ones as well because of their feared connections to the uh, the, the, the government of China, which uh, I'm not sure on myself. I've not researched it, but I know there's a concern about that, which I'm not going to go into. But yeah, that's a, a thing. Positive Switch-related news. Uh, the Switch has now sold 107.67 million as of the 31st of March, 2022. Uh, I thought it was really cool. It deserves it. And I'm thinking it would, if the momentum keeps going at this rate, it will get outsell the PlayStation 2. And that's going to be fucking fantastic. Uh, Pokemon Legend Arceus, which came out in January, sold like 12.64 million, which is really good, actually, for such a new game. And it's not too far off the top 10 games of all time, actually. I think like Black Black Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl got like 17 million or something, and so if it gets up to that bit, it'll already be like in the lower half of the list, which is really cool for this game, which is considered about like, the best Pokemon game in years. Which I've not played. I'm not super interested in Pokemon, but I might try in the future. Uh, Kirby in the Forgotten Land got 2.65 million, which, uh, considering how close that launched to the end of the financial year, is pretty good actually. So there are good little figures for there, especially with uh, games both being great. So, uh, from what I've heard anyway, I've not played them yet. And finally, for news, we have PlayStation Plus Premium Games announced. So they announced their little list. And uh, I'm not going to repeat the whole thing here because there's just like there's too many to really list. But also most of them were pretty unremarkable to me. I don't really play a lot of Western games. So uh, a lot of this was basically, here's a... Uh, Picking from Sony's catalogue across like five different consoles. Uh, here are all the games, a list, enjoy. And it's it's many titles like Last of Us, Uncharted, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Final Fantasy XV, Returnal, Death Stranding, all these other kind of things. There were like no PS2 games confirmed at all, so nothing on that side, nor PSP. Still weird seeing no Vita stuff, but yet, if you look on the Vita list, you can see, like, remasters on the PS4, like Tearaway and Gravity Rush and Wipeout Mega Collection, which is quite interesting, actually. You can also get a couple of indies, like Celeste, for example, which I wholeheartedly recommend if you do subscribe to this scheme. Get it? It's great. Amazing. And also, I've seen a lot of Japan Studio games, so, like, here's Everybody's Golf, here's Gravity Rush, here's Ape Escape. Here's all these games that, from a studio that Sony closed down and basically forced the devs to like downsize to focus on Astro's Playroom or leave. Or join Type Moon, which is a case of the Bokeh guy, I think. Or oh, no, that was a Dragon Builders guy. Oh, fuck's sakes. Well, I, I, I mean, honestly, knowing the state of these studios, some people from Japan Studio probably did join Bokeh Game Studio or the, the Type Moon BB or those other companies. Yeah, it's uh, I've been going for a while, so all the babbling now is kind of like... Oh, Miller's Game Room Podcast. Now Miller's just talking shite about games. But yeah, um, physical games are still cheap PS3, so you can get most of those games, if not all of them, on the list for really cheap. Except Puppeteer. I know that one's expensive. But the rest of them are really cheap to get. And at the moment, you can still get them directly off the the PlayStation Network for PS3. Like, maybe not... Like, on the console itself, you can still get them. So if you have a card, you can still get them. So... 
unless you can like get physicals. It's still there, and that's still better than the streaming option. And there's also emulation as well, which is a thing which uh, I know PS3 emulation is quite difficult, but PS3 emulators like do exist and they are starting to get better. So that is actually superior to what's been offered in this pack so far, which. Uh, yeah, I think if you're getting PlayStation Plus Premium, it's more of a add-on rather than a, something really worth getting excited for. But if you want to give it a try, it's there. It's available. You might be interested. I'm not, but maybe it's for you. At the moment, it stands out. I think it is objectively a bit lackluster. And that's kind of... I think a lot of people can agree with that. Now onto the visual novel section. And there's not much for this section, but there are like two major things I do want to talk about. So the first one is uh, the new project by Novectical, or otherwise have recently branded themselves Novect, so I'll be using Novect from here on. So Novect have announced their new game, Project Codename M for PS4, Switch, and PC. So yeah, console, the game's up front, which is really cool. Uh, this is a murder mystery game, so it's set in modern Tokyo. They've not put a date, which honestly will probably not be for a while. Uh, the twist in this one now I found the trailer a little difficult to follow in terms of its story and what it was talking about but this is what I managed to get from it so you play as two perspectives you play one perspective where you actually set up the murder and then another perspective where you actually solve the murder so from what I understand it's basically like you're basically setting up the murder to carry out but you don't know who the suspect is and then when you go to detective mode to solve the case and you then find out who the culprit is but and also build the case because you already know how the person has died, which is... That's actually really interesting, actually. Assuming I've understood correctly, which I think I have, but, you know, Martin for error and all that. But yeah, um, I'm actually quite interested in this. I'm hoping it delivers a hype, but considering that... I've been trying to finish Far Tomorrow as well, but considering how great that's been, I'm hoping this meets up to it. The CGs in the trailer already look prettier grim and also a little bit semi-realistic and a bit cartoony but kind of in the middle it looks cool uh the music in the trailer was sung by uh yusuke tsutsumi uh was he singing or no but he out composed it and the song is badass it's I, th- I think it's using the same like the same vocalist as farta morgana's songs which is probably i said like yusuke at the start but that that person's done loads so it's uh still like it looks great, and I'm hoping it's uh, the quality is uh, high. I'd be interested to see who else who's actually helping to publish it as well, because all these uh, ports I imagine would be quite difficult to do by themselves. But I can imagine it. I think this is a kind of thing that they'd either do themselves or other companies like like Axis Games, for example, or Limited Run, or someone else will help step in and do, which uh, is interesting. So uh, that'd be interesting to see what happens with that. The one thing that did occur to my mind, though, is that it makes me wonder what happened to uh, Narkama Engine A, because um, several years ago they actually announced that as their next project, and then it was put on hold before the Fortnite Gala console ports came out in English. So it actually was the game came out in Japan for PC, then the Vita port, and then there was like we're starting this game, and then it was like the second game was like, oh, we're gonna have to delay the game because we're releasing the console ports in English. So that's where the focus went, and then now this game's come out. So either that got scrapped, or this new project is basically what Narkama was, which um, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, be interested to see what happens at some point. And given the relative like small size of the studio, we'll probably know soon enough. Now on to the second bit, which is basically Koei Tecmo and Ruby Party, which is um, a thing in terms of the whole like teasing and the possibility in that, which is. Um, 
been a bit um, annoying, to say the least, with how they've dealt with it, especially lately. Now, for those who don't know, there is a game coming up by Ruby Party in English. And it's not an Otome game, it's a game called uh, Token Rambi Muso, which is basically a Warriors game using the Token Rambu thing, which is like a, a card game or phone game, which is PC-based. Uh, it's by Nitro Plus, and I'm not familiar with it. Like, I've not played it. It was like, oh, this looks cool. And then it's like, it was my Ruby Party. So now we're actually going to get it in the West, which um, is still good news. Good news for the fact that the Ruby Party now have some game released in the West. But it's a lot like they have kind of teased in the past about the possibilities of like releasing stuff in English. So, especially from the Western side where someone in Code Tecmo has been kind of been like an internal cheerleader and trying to get out there, but nothing's come of it. And so, one question that's come up in interviews, which came up in like the last couple of days before recording, were people asking why haven't they come over? And there was a tweet they did by in reply to a Noisy Pixels article, which I'll come on to in a second. But I wanted to choose the more detailed answer from Twinfinite because I feel this is actually probably a more reflective answer of uh, the situation that they see it compared to just a short like one paragraph line from the summary article that Noisy Pixel did. And I'll just read the question because I'm only reading the part about Ruby Party because that's the part that I mainly care about. So the question was basically first talking about like Ruby Party and mentioning the poll and that just kind of setting the scene. The question asked at the end was, is there a reason why Koei Tecmo hesitates to localise Ruby Party games for the West, and could Token Rambu Warriors open the way to more Ruby Party games coming West in the future? And the responses were given by Mei Erikawa, who is like the head of Ruby Party, and actually has been there for, since the start, and actually birthed the Otome genre through the first Angelique game, which actually got remade for the PSP and Vita, so there is a modern version, which could get localised and ported, hint hint. Uh, she said... As Ruby Party, we started to localise our games for overseas markets much later than the other brands at Koei Tecmo, so we had a late start, which is true. Uh, a couple of years ago, we started expanding with some of our games in Asia, localising with traditional and simplified Chinese, and we found that there was a market there. So they did that as well. I've seen them in, I've seen a lot of the import sites talk about the Chinese release, so they've definitely done that. The next step for us is definitely to hit the Western English-speaking markets, and we do want to be able to release our titles globally. I think that in the future, there is the potential for Ruby Party games to come out in English, and I do think Token Rampy Warriors is helping to open the path for that. And then the question after that, as a follow-up, was basically, what game would you personally like to see? And she said, Angelique Luminares, which is the most recent Angelique game, and Angelique is like a medieval setting and like a lot of uh, Rupert games, there is some gameplay, so it's not like a pure vision novel like, say, Otomate, for example, where most of those games are just pure text with uh, reading and nothing else. This has got some gameplay in it, and it's got the more... Uh, this one has a more modern-ish, like, story and setting compared to the other Angelique games, so it's a straight show... Uh, May thinks it'll be more like in appealing to the international crowd, which I can kind of see. Like, as I mentioned with Eternal Cheerleader, I think given that there's interest inside of if she would release it, it'd be that one. I think it will be that one that they pick up. Or a new game that's not been announced yet. Because they have got a few other IPs, like they've got the Haru Kanagu Toki no Nakade, which got its seventh Switch game, which uh, I don't know how good that game is, but I don't think they're going to go back and release a seventh game in a series unless they've established it first. And then they've got La Corda de Oro, which is which is a 
another IP. We did actually get the English-speaking manga when Viz Media released it, but that was like a long, long time ago, not recently. So there is actually something relating to that in the West, which is cool. Oh yeah, I'm going on for a long time with this, but I haven't even gotten to the social media post yet because Koei Tecmo were basically, in reply to this, posted on Twitter, the American one specifically, Demand is determined by sales. If Token Rambu Warriors does well, there is potential for more Ruby Party. And they did the hashtags. So, uh, like, they did Koei Tecmo Family and Otome Ally, which um, I'm going to ignore those because... I think both of those are problematic in their own ways, especially the uh, from an anti-capitalist perspective. But I think the Otomi ally kind of speaks for itself. But um, in the second reply, when people got upset, myself included, because people were replying back and just like, why are you doing this? And this is bad, because it is bad. Uh, they were like, thanks for all these comments. We wanted this information stroke reaction to show the desire for the mainstream Ruby Party Otomi games from the Otomi community. We've been pushing since 2018 for that opportunity and don't plan on giving up anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, I do I do fully believe that there have been internal cheerleaders. So I think they're telling the truth. But going on social media and going like this to basically bait a social experiment is really not a good idea because it makes you look like a twat. To be, to be the nicest possible way, just no. And it's flawed logic because you're basically going... So... Here is this game, it's a Musou game, it's not a visual novel, it's a part of the Jayu Musouke genre, which is basically about pretty boys, the fr- friendship and that kind of thing, where there's like next to no women, it's all about this. You'll have people like buying this game because it's a Warriors game, you'll have people buying this game because they're fans of Token Rambu, you'll have people buying this game because it has a physical release in English, and yes, there's plenty of Switch collectors that will buy it just because it's got a physical English version. That isn't exactly representative of an Otome person. Like, someone who's really into Otome like I am, like, you can't really compare it. Like, a lot of people have basically replied saying, you're comparing apples with oranges, which is basically what they're saying, like... Just because Token Rambid Musou does well, doesn't mean an Otome game by Ruby Party would not do well. And vice versa. So, what they need to do, actually, is to actually release an Otome game. Like, take Angelique Luminace, that kind of thing, get it put out in English, do a limited edition as well, so people buy it, and then gouge yourselves from there. That's the only way you're going to actually know for sure how well or not a game will sell here. And honestly, it probably would do well if they release it here because Otome gamers uh, absolutely love buying this stuff. Like, even in Japan, like, there's a growing, like, English-speaking community of Otome gamers that I'm part of-ish, where they're like, oh, we're learning Japanese to help us, like, read Otome games because there's still a lot of games from companies like Ruby Party which just haven't come to the West and... Ruby Party aren't just any, like, nobody. They've been around for, like, 20 years at least and have actually been like, oh, we're actually, we birthed the genre. Here are all our games. We're, like, an iconic label. And, like, if even companies like Broccoli are now releasing their Otome here, then Ruby Party can. I find it quite a turn-off when companies go, oh, you must buy this game in this semi-unrelated genre or else we may not get this game, which okay, like, it's, I hate it when companies do that, or when there's a difference between the products in terms of, like, content or audience, 
it's similar to things like it reminds me of when another visual example is when visual arts in key they release summer pockets on steam but not reflection blue which is the expanded version and then they were like at one point oh you must buy the base version of the game maybe we'll do reflection blue and fun fact they never did reflection blue and now it's actually been fan translated. So uh, you want to play Summer Pockets, the best thing to do is to actually play the definitive version, which is not available in English officially. And it's situations like that where you buy this product that, that's inferior or unrelated and might give you this good one. Keyword is might, because they're capitalists. And capitalists, uh, do, unless they think it'll make loads of money, they won't want to do something. And it's infuriating when it leads to situations like this, where... You, you, they're basically like holding it to ransom and I don't like it. Like, in the case of Token Rainbow Musou, that had actually put me off a little more wanting to actually get it. Like, I wasn't super interested in it to begin with and it's not because I don't want to support Ruby Party, but it's because it's a Musou and I know I don't like those. Like, the only one I liked was Gundam Breaker 3 and that's because of the aesthetic. I don't know for sure if I'll like Token Rainbow Musou. Like, I might like it, but I'm not sure I will. And and I say I hate musos, but like I just like it's just repetitiveness and monotony can just really grind on me, and I don't like it. And like I tried to identify Dragon Quest Warriors on the Japanese Switch, which was alright actually. And Persona 5 Strikers, I'll probably click with mainly because that's more of an action RPG than an actual Muso game. And then you've got Token Rambi, which I might like, but I might not. And it's just like I'm just not really um wanting to uh take the risk especially in europe we never we are not getting a physical pal version and that's kind of of a thing really like there's no physical pal version and it's like i'd have to import from the us and like i kind of do want to try it but when it's cheaper basically not when at full price having to pay like 50 60 pounds to import a game which i'm not doing for a game i'm probably not gonna like but i'm not super into so uh that game is uh probably not behind my list and uh, I hope, do hope if they do release a reparty game, but it's not digital only. Like if they did that, I think that would be sending it to, to sending it to flop commercially. If it's digital only, like even Axis, like back in the day, they did physical Otome games. Even on even the late last PSP release was actually an Otome game from Axis. So uh, Koei Tecmo can should do one at least for North America or an Arno Surge like limited edition, which uh, I would be all over by the way, especially if. Uh, Nipponichi Software America or someone similar help make it and put it on their store, even though they have their own in Europe now, so they can just put it on the the Tecmo Europe store. And I've been talking about Bloody Ruby Party for like seven minutes now. Fucking hell. I've been talking for a while. Fucking hell. <laughs> Finally, now we're going to talk about what I've been playing, the part where I talk about games and ones I really like and ones I don't. But in this case, it's all things I like. So, uh, this first part is about Mario Kart Wii Revolution custom tracks. So for those who don't know, there has been a community project for Mario Kart Wii going for several years now. Probably like even like long before the official online servers actually shut down for the game in 2014. Where people have been able to like hack the game, make custom tracks, make mods, and other fan-made content, and also restore the online multiplayer. So I decided to finally check it out. I'd always wanted to check it out for literally years, and I got Wii U, and I hacked it. So uh, I jailbroke Wii U. I know, I'm evil. And 
and then downloaded Revolution, got it on the SD card, put it in the Wii U, and uh, the magic happened. So you need a hacked Wii or Wii U to get it, and um, for the Wii portion on the Wii U, which is called the V-Wii, you need to hack that as well as the Wii U to play it, which I did. It took me two days on and off work, but I finally got it done, and put the game in because well as well as revolution you also need an actual original disc copy of Maricot Wii so it's not possible to to pirate Maricot Wii and then play Revolution based off that. Likewise play it in Dolphin for example. You have to have the game itself which I have too. And I was able to play it. And uh, there's like over two hundred tracks with custom tracks both all original from users and people across the globe as well as remakes of retro tracks across like all entries in the series so i think the actual revolution like custom track pricks in the game there's like grand pricks it's like 200 tracks like they're all up to mario kart 7 and there's more there's also more that are custom on the website there's actually a whole wiki with tracks in it with mario kart 8 mods and like the custom tracks that were included but were taken off because this is there's many ways this is actually like a live service because it's continuously been updated there's continuous fixes uh some tracks are swapped out and put back in etc uh the most recent like thing i remember like the other day actually was an update and they replaced a few of the tracks there was a snes ghost valley one actually was taken out and then replaced with gba boo lake which are like two little fan remakes of that which is like really cool actually that these remakes are a thing and you can put these in the game, and it just feels so fresh, like, I haven't played Mario Kart Wii in several years, actually, like, I think it was, like, it definitely was before Mario Kart 8 came out, because that was when the servers shut down, it was around the time that came out, and Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U, I played day one, because I loved it that much, and these games were, like, just going back after so long, and just seeing all these custom screens, and just... Having the game basically rebuilt from scratch in a sense of having this online back, having these custom courses with all these things like multiple laps. So like, yeah, with multiple laps, only one lap and loops, like see things like Woohoo Island, for example, which was ported into Wii U and having the laps be down to one lap, like in that course, it was so nice. Ah, uh, it's just, it was so good. And it's just so refreshing to like get back in this game, have a better track roster because not only are tracks better, but the characters are too. Because you get things like Funky Kong, who's in this game. Dry Bowser. The Mii costumes. with two Mii costumes. But it's actually overall better than Mario Kart, like Mario Kart 8's track listing. Only thing that really beats it is Tour, to be honest. But having that in there. And then having the, the bikes and carts. So the carts and bikes are good. So like, while there's no customization, you get the extra weight distributions and how that changes the stats by characters. You also get the bikes and the handling because the handling of the bikes is different. Although in my case, I do use uh, like the Twinkle Star. And if you use that in the game with the combination I like, it basically plays like a cart, which I really like. And that's basically how I roll in that game for a lot of the time. It's it's just so fun going back to this and just like, oh, I like I want to make a full video on it. I need a full video. I actually was like... Went on the game the other day and recorded footage, but I was next thing I was actually playing the game for like almost an an entire hour just playing footage. Like I just loved it that much, and yeah, that's going to be my uh, one of the next major video projects in this game room. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be. Probably like ten twenty minutes, just me talking about it in more depth and just the overall conclusion. That because I don't want to spoil on this now because I think at this point like. Nintendo have, uh, I wouldn't say dropped the ball, 
like from a capitalist perspective, they're raking the dough with Mario Eight Deluxe on the Switch, as well as the Circuit Live thing, and to a lesser extent Tour. But they've not done a mainline Mario Kart Nine or any substantial like good DLC to Mario Eight Deluxe. Like the core DLC course is good for Mario Eight Deluxe, but it's quite a low effort. It just feels like it feels like corners were cut in a lot of ways, and I don't really like that. And there have even been mods to the Switch version of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe where people have actually gone over the tracks and actually fixed the textures themselves. And they actually look a lot better with the textures fixed than they did, like, than they did in this original version. Like, it actually looks a lot better with these fan-made mod fixes. And it's like, Nintendo, you should have just done this yourself. And it's just like, why? Like, it's just like... I don't really like that, and I think I'm just really burnt out of Mario Kart at this point. It's like, I'm tired, I want a new mainline Mario Kart for Nintendo, it's just, I don't want to keep playing this, like, this game that's, while it's great, and is one of the, probably objectively the best Mario Kart game ever, I'm just kind of, I'm just really burnt out on it, because it's just the same shit after eight years, and track DLC is, while good, is just, in comparison to going to Revolution it's just vastly inferior like Revolution is an expansion of an older game but it actually is fresh like it feels like I'm playing a new game with just very similar controls and that's what I really like about it so it's better than anything Nintendo's offering officially at the moment and that's probably going to stay that way until the, Wii, the, the Switch's successor comes out that's probably how it's going to stay Unless Nintendo did like a Mario Kart custom track maker or something like Super Mario Maker but Mario Kart, which uh, honestly would be really cool. I would be all over that actually. I kind of want to try looking into making custom tracks for like Mario Kart Evolution and put that on the wiki, but I, uh, that's a longer term goal. I might think about it, I might not, but I don't know if I'll do it yet. Just, you know, give a view of it and check out like modding tracks and that and get more experience. It's going to be grand. I'm going to love it. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to talk about it more of you all. But uh, yeah, uh, stay tuned for that video on Miller's Game Room, YouTube channel.com. Have fun. Enjoy. Now on to the final game, which the time of recording, I have uh, only been playing for a few hours. So uh, no impressions. Uh, I'll probably play more by the time the actual video comes out or podcast episode, which uh, I'm not doing the video on this yet. Well, if at all, because I've not finished it. But ignoring that, uh, Keep it Parasite. So this is an Otome game, which uh, is Otomate. So um, this is by the Factory, so uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so far I'm enjoying it. It's very different to any of the Otome games I've played to date, because a lot of them tend to be more serious and plot-heavy, whereas this one's basically like a romantic comedy. It's really light-hearted, it's really cute. It's also really funny as well. Like You play as Cupid, like literally the incarnation of Cupid, who then goes down to Earth to try to own her dad which is like a greek god who looks very sexy by the way who's um basically like you will never be able to help people find love about their bow and arrow and it's like oh no i'm gonna try to do it authentically and she's like oh, i'm gonna to do it and now she's just enrolling in this like corporation and there's now trying to help these uh these five undateable men known as parasite five uh find love basically and um that's the setting so far um it's so refreshing and uh also I fell in love with the music after only an hour because, oh my god, I love it so much. I really want to stim to it. Like, I'm authentic, so I like to like the fourth like just stim into this music. It's going to be really cute and fun. And I uh, already want the soundtrack. I want to get the CD as soon as I can because it's going to go out of print and get really expensive eventually. And I really don't want to not have it physically. 
So it's going to be uh, interesting to try to track down. I do want it. Maybe I'll get lucky soon. But if anyone knows where it is, hit me up because I want it. And the art as well. It looks so cute. It's really nice. It's very, uh, very unique and distinctive. The art style, it's like very 1950s inspired, but also just so much color and vibrance. And it's just, I love it. It's so cute. And the aesthetic just makes it so unique. And it's like, I love it so much. And I, I really hope the game lives up to it. And I can get through, like, I want to try to get through all these routes before Xenoblade 3 comes out. And maybe even try another Otome as well. Because I do want to make a Otome recommendation video at some point. And it's like, I don't feel comfortable doing one because a lot of the games I've played, uh, for the most part, um, not like from the last few years. Like, yeah, there's been a few ports and that for the Switch, which I've played, but not much of the actual new stuff. And I feel like if I'm going to make an Otome recommendation video, I want to have some new stuff. So it means trying games like Cupar out, trying other things as well. Not just Motomate as well, which is what means on my place Steam Prison as well, because having that diverse mix is so important. And then I feel kind of making a recommendations list, which is also coming at some point to Miller's Game Room, YouTube channel, hashtag.com. Um, so yeah, I'm going to stop because I've been going for a while. I've been babbling a lot. And I'm going out and it's getting long and it's like, oh, I like these games a lot. And, you know, they're fun. And yeah. Uh, please like, comment, subscribe, five star ratings on your platform of choice, etc., and so on and so forth. Thank you so much for listening to me today, and uh, have a lovely day.